This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here we go. It's hour two of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan. Hope you're having a great day. Time now for the NFL News of the Day with Zach Wolchuk. Thank you very much. Who all called in sick yesterday on the Monday after the Super Bowl? You weren't alone if you did. About 16 million people called in sick to work this year after the big day. Uh, And eventually we will maybe get this thing a national holiday when they decide to add the 18th game and everything's pushed back a week because next Monday we've got President's Day. Most people get off. For President's Day. So you won't have to worry about that. Instead of just making the Super Bowl Monday a national holiday, you'll kind of have one built in to where you don't have to call in. But that's incredible. Across the entire country, 16 million people skipping out of work. We did not, uh, but we don't have to. We get to come in and just talk about the game. It's an absolute dream. But I wonder, 877-881-1053, were you one of the 16 million that said, Haha, I'm calling in sick? Maybe you planned this. Maybe you already put in the uh, the slip and requested the off day after the Super Bowl. That's a pro move. I, I had big respects to the Australian uh, NFL reporters that we that we uh, came to know in Vegas because they 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 have to take the day off because they're watching the Super Bowl Monday morning in Australia at like whatever weird time yeah. it was and so they're they're cracking coldies early in the morning it's it's a breakfast Super Bowl in Australia so if you're a football guy in Australia you have to take the day off because it's in the middle of sort of your work day there on a Monday yeah uh, so kudos to the Australian dudes man they were great guys out there. Really yeah, that's were. sacrifice right there. I wonder if you just take all Mondays off or if you have a career change. You know, is this something you negotiate with your boss? Mm. I'm not sure how you would handle that, but that's commitment, you know. Uh, and those Aussies are known for their love of football. They so sure I'm not are. Surprised. Aussie, 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 I, I, I. Shout out to uh, Antonio Pierce, Andy Reid telling Peter King from NBC Sports, uh, yeah, I reached out. I texted Antonio Pierce. I texted him. I said, hey. Beautiful facility, first of all, and I appreciate you kicking our tail because you taught us a lesson. You get complacent in this business. The margin between winning and losing is tiny. You better step up. And uh, there's a time and a place for these players that have been here before. You know what it takes if you're the veteran that's dropping the ball. You're the veteran getting the penalties. You better figure it out. Figure it out quick. This season's going to go down. And he did. They were left for dead after Christmas Day. Antonio Pierce and the Raiders beat the Chiefs. It was embarrassing. It was a humbling moment. They did not lose a game after that loss. And Andy Reid credits uh, Antonio Pierce for knocking them out of their complacent mindset. It's two sports champions in a row, the Rangers and now the Chiefs, that I have considered left for dead at some point in the season and late in the season as well. Um, Just a heck of a job, you know, and I I don't know what a season has to look like now for me to consider them, you know, not the team. But I do do believe we saw this often in basketball uh, once the Phil Jackson Lakers got so good 
that they would have a hard time being focused during the regular season. It just doesn't get the best out of them. And some of these guys are fighting for jobs or they're fighting for playoff lives and they're fired up to take on the Chiefs and you're getting these incredible and you're like, dude, just get us to the playoffs and then I'll be back to playing at 100%. Man. Uh, that's awesome. And we'll see how Antonio Pierce and the Raiders do this coming year. They got to get yeah. a quarterback, but uh, I, I liked that hire. Then there was an article from The Athletic, and we know about Andy Reid's love of cheeseburgers. We played the audio yesterday of him at the ESPN set. Brian, did you know that he also has quite the affinity for Hagen dazs ice cream? Andy likes all food. Man, that is also apparently an obsession for him. One of the assistant yeah. coaches says that the head of travel operations for the Chiefs is tasked with ensuing, in, ensuring that every hotel the team stays at during road trips yeah. is stocked with haagen And Kansas City fullback Anthony Sherman actually recalled one trip where Reed was able to determine if it was actually haagen or not. So there was one time in Baltimore where for some reason they didn't put it out right away. Andy comes in, he looks at it, and he knew right away that it wasn't haagen mm. I look at the travel ops, Mitch Reynolds, and I said, dude, that's not haagen He goes, no, no, it is, it is. I go, I'm telling you right now, it's not. Look at him. He was just staring at it in just disbelief that yeah. he didn't have the actual, and he can tell. I mean, look, he knows his ice cream. He would stand there with a spoon and a scooper waiting for them to go change it to haagen or get a delivery of haagen He would not eat it if it was like Bluebell or something. Right. He would tell people, you go ahead. If you're going to get it, I'm waiting on the real ice cream. This is an ice cream. You ought to see the travel manual <laughs> those guys have. Seriously, you ought to see all the things. There is a three-ring binder of all the things that have to be in, like, Coach's suite. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, like... A certain amount of ginger ale, a certain amount of tonic water, a certain amount of, like, you have to have... Specific colored M&Ms. Yeah, it's it's almost like what, what we deal with with uh, performers. like you know, rock stars. Rock stars, yeah. 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 Like, they, they, literally, there is a manual, and they got this from Bill Walsh at the 49ers, and they, like, Andy... Like the Hagen Dawes manual? Well, the That's whole, from Bill Walsh. They, they've added they've added stuff to <laughs> what it. What a legend. He was a genius. Ahead of his <laughs> time. About the I mean, baby. there are certain things that you absolutely have to have. And it's part of and they send this manual to the hotels before they go. Like during the summertime. Like this is what we require. Gosh, man, you do not want to be the guy who dropped the Hagen Dawes ball on a no. freaking game day on the road. When Andy Reid and the Chiefs are trying to go get a victory, how do you expect him to There's, dial up corn dog with ketchup and mustard in man. the moment where it's needed most for his team? If he's not, if he's out of his routine, obviously Hagen Dazs is a huge part of his life and his yes. game day routine, and probably a top three or four reason why he's as great as he is today. How can you tell? We should all be taking notes. How here. can you tell that he's the Hagen Dazs guy? How can you tell? I, he it's, it's the eye man, test. I, I don't know. Yeah. The eye test. I've been watchdogging this the, thing. The, you watchdogging? Okay, this? I am impressed though. So, so are you telling me he he's looks and he knows? He's walking into whatever the room is the ice cream room here yeah. and he like without it being the container he can just look at the ice cream yes, sort of in a bowl and is, eyeball and tell you yes, it's not hagen dogs yes, that's dryers i'm gonna wait for the real ice cream yes. you eat that dryers with a b i thought it was with a d no it's not dryers ice cream i it's never dryers. get that i'm a bluebell guy through and through that is that is quite the skill set like it's we talk same, about it with the ketchup with the, the same ice cream with yeah, the heinz yeah. and the hunts yeah it's the same ice cream every every week it's it is the dryers. same one 
Dryers? I thought it was Briars no, ice cream. There's, there's, there's two different. There's two. There's two. Briars and Dryers. Oh my gosh, I didn't know there was Dryers over here. Okay, creating ice creams. Well, I just I don't know. I think that's impressive. Like I don't think, but I I think with a taste taste test, I could tell a couple of different things here. But I don't know that I could eyeball in a bowl of ice cream and just be able to tell you that it's Bluebell or Hagen Dazs or whatever. It's a hell of a talent. I don't think I could do it either. No, that's a that's. We need to do an experiment. Legitimate skill. Could you tell that this is not the Hagen Dazs chocolate? Maybe it just has a different color to it. It's darker, richer looking. Well, it's like maybe it's like me. I don't know what kind of ice cream. Does it say what kind of ice cream he likes? Hagen Dazs. I know, but the flavor. Oh, uh, chocolate. Oh. Chocolate was listed in this athletic article. Okay, there might be in in the Hagen Dazs. They might have a little more chunks. Could be you some know. chunks. Yeah, he's probably looking at it and going, <laughs> "I don't see. I don't see enough chunks in that thing. No chunkies. Yeah, yeah. I, it's man." I wonder if I could take like cookies and cream that we had like the other day at that buffet, and oh, like gosh, have two delicious. different and see if you could tell the difference. Of who, what the cookies the, and cream I think would be a little easier than just chocolate because I think there you're nailing it with the chunks. Like some of these ice creams have more of the cookie in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like two just run of the mill chocolates, the, like the Haagen Dazs chocolate and the Bluebell chocolate. You can eyeball that in a bowl. I think Andy Reid, you are sort of one of one. Mm-hmm. You are in the top one percent of ice cream knowers. I, Hell of a talent. It is like vanilla, like. I think that bluebell was like a little bit more yellow, the color. The homemade vanilla. The homemade vanillas are color yeah. texture. Yeah, a little you bit know, more how it's melting. I think you could look at yeah. it and say that's that's bluebell French vanilla or whatever it is. I was a I little bit offended, like when he called the the bluebell out in this article. Yeah, it's He's like I'm not gonna eat the bluebell. It's like, dude, come on, what's wrong with the bluebell? Andy I, likes to eat, but yeah, I guess. I love that he's sitting there just sort of pouting oh. with his bowl and his spoon, but he refuses if, to eat any I'm ice cream. For the real somebody's ice cream. door dashing mm. it. Somebody's going on a oh, run no. here. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to tap my foot. That's a nightmare. I will tap my foot. Yes, no, we can't get any more no, game no. planning that, done. That, that, I'm not tapping the foot. Tap, 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 <laughs> tapping here. I'm just, tapping. Yeah. Just bowl and spoon waiting for real you ice know, cream. We had that red beans and rice today, and it reminded me so much. Andy would sit there, and he would keep coming back. Like I'd have a little ble- a little left, a little left, and then he would get the final bowl. We should have taken a but, picture and tagged him. But it might have been like five bowls of it before he got out of there. Absolutely. But he, he would let everybody have some and then he would keep circling back. Circle back. Keep circling back. Yeah. Okay, eight one seven saying Hagen does is a little darker standard chocolate compared to the rest. Maybe we that's need, what we, we need to do a test. We need to do a test. I'm down I'm down for for an ice cream test. Do you want to give Brock Purdy some love? Steve Spagnolo told SI that he had to change his defensive game plan because Brock Purdy was so darn good in zone coverage. Like, whenever they land up in zone, uh, Purdy just read it and was making the right reads. Spagnuolo said he was blown away. The zones, I just think their wideouts and quarterback are so good at their timing routes. Brock Purdy is really good. He knew when we were in certain things, and he found the seams. So then he switched up to the man, and that's when you were able to see Trent McDuffie yeah. making tremendous plays and coverage against Debo. But, I mean, credit to Spags, obviously. But I, I know we spent a lot of time kind of picking on Brock Purdy. I don't think Purdy was terrible in that game at all, but he definitely was doing a good job eating up uh, some of that zone coverage to where Spags was like, okay, tip of the cap, but now I'm going to change this up on you, and he wasn't able to quite correct that. Yeah, ha- having having corners with the ability to just get up and say, I can get in your face and I can just go mano a mano on what, what everybody describes as, as the Avengers with the different type of playmakers that they have there. It's like, I can lock down Ayuk, I can lock down Kittle, we can contain Christian McCaffrey, no problem on Debo Samuel. Like, you got to have guys for that. Like, kudos to you, Steve Spagnuolo, but man. also the guy that's pulling the strings in the draft room, and he's like, yeah, Legere Sneed, you can just run with anybody here. You can get in their face. You can play man-to-man, McDuffie, you guys. Like, you got to have dudes. Yep. 
and they got them, and they've hit on their draft picks. I think we probably underrated just all-time great how good this defense yes. was in their run. There's I mean, no question. That defense was uh, absolutely phenomenal. I know Mahomes gets a lot of the love and the credit, rightly so, but that defense in a lot of those games where Mahomes and the offense was struggling, stepped up, kept him in it, and allowed him to be in position in the fourth quarter to do what he does best, and that's go win it for you. Bruce Arians thinks that the Bucks are going to have both Baker and Mike Evans back next year. He said uh, he thinks that Baker loves it here. The job that Todd Bowles has done uh, with new coordinator Dave Canales, who's now gone in Carolina, he was applauding their job, but he also loves Michael Penix Jr. Gave him a lot of love in this draft prospect. So, you know, maybe uh, Michael Penix Jr. could be one of those guys that slips to the top of the second round. Could look at the Bucks as a team that is interested in the Washington Husky. Would you sell your spot at 24 if somebody came from the top of the second round and give you back some stuff? Maybe pick up a three and a four? Yeah, I think that they need a to add some middle picks. So it depends, yeah. obviously, on the stack, who's there. But sure. I would be very open to doing that. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I think you might want to. You're kind of a spot where if one of those two quarterbacks fall, that maybe you could be in a good position to you trade are. that thing out. Okay, speaking of quarterbacks, Josh Allen on Radio Row, we saw him there last week, tried to say hello. He was busy, kind of Heisman me a little bit, but it's okay. Really? Big, I didn't know about that. He big-timed I, I, I mean, he was in the middle of something. You know, I just tried to be guy. aggressive, and he was doing an interview. So, Oh, my gosh. Okay. Kind of like looked my way. This might have been user error on Walchuk's yeah, I mean, part. I, 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 it was the only time. I, I didn't want to just waste the Is opportunity. Is he like talking to Kay Adams and you just kind of walked up? I, I think it was one of those <laughs> podcasters. I had no idea who he was talking to, but I was just kind of like, Josh, you know, and he just kind of looked over. Uh, but he made. Did you he, really go, go Josh and Wave? Yeah. Did you? Just Josh and Wave. You should have gone J Dog. J Dog. Did you lose a bet? <laughs> Pat Mahomes. No, I just tried to say hello to Josh Allen, man. Sue me. Uh, but he built his perfect quarterback. Arm strength. He's Josh going, Allen. He didn't, he didn't pick himself. He actually he did for one of these. Okay. Arm strength, Justin Herbert. Accuracy, CJ Stroud. Ooh. Rushing ability, Lamar Jackson. Not Tua. Size, he's going himself, Josh Allen. Toughness, he's going Matthew Stafford. And leadership, he's taking Patrick Mahomes. Do we like his built quarterback? What was the one before Patrick Mahomes there? Toughness, Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one to argue. Yeah. Man, I don't know how you can't just go with every every aspect of, of Mahomes. I mean, just, I guess I, other than maybe just, just size, maybe I'll take Josh <laughs> Allen's just complete physical build here, but every other attribute, just like make it Mahomes's and we're I'll good. I'll take Mahomes. Even Accuracy. running. Even yeah. running. I don't need Lamar Jackson's running. I need Mahomes's running. He knows when to do it. He knows how to do it. He knows exactly what he needs. Uh, is it fourth down? Sure. He know, He's getting the first down. When he's scrambling, there is a reason for it and good things are going to happen and never is it going to result in him getting his face taken off. He knows how to avoid the contact. It's unbelievable how he has ball security and the ability to get down like he does because he. It, it's not like he is a coward as he's running. No. And it's not like he's a, a moose, but he's just he's in charge out, out there somehow. I, I do think his, his, his leadership is just he's just a good player. You know, I don't think he's the rah-rah guy. I don't think he's getting guys squared away or anything like that. Uh, so I'd probably take Dak's leadership. Yeah. He had no Joe, no Joe I think Burrow leadership, part, right? leadership is... There was no Joe Burrow, no. Leadership no is Burrow. rising to the occasion. Leadership is being the the guy in the moment. That's what Mahomes is. And, I mean, I'm I'm pretty impressed yeah. with him. Like, in, in like he's he's rallying in the troops and yeah, stuff like that. That's, like, that's just being good. That's not leadership. 
I think I, I think there's some aspect to leadership where you're you're the guy who's who's leading the team all throughout the season, but you're also with the wins. we 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 ex- we know what wins. we're going to get from you. Yeah. We know our leader. We can depend on him. I can't I can't call you a leader, but in the playoffs, I don't even know if you're going to show up. What kind, type of leadership is that? Okay, you know what I mean. Like you can't lead the team if you're not even leading yourself. That's fair. So I think I think there's a huge part of leadership, which is hey, no matter the moment, you know what to expect from me. And from Mahomes, it's even the the best version of me is when you need it the most. And that has been proven to be the complete opposite with our quarterback. Seven for seven in game-winning situations in the postseason for him. He's been absolutely brilliant. Wow. Uh, and then Rasheed Rice. put him Rice. in the Hall of Fame right now. No, yeah. He's, oh, he's yeah. a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. Yeah. If he retired today, he doesn't have to do anything else. And he's in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time. And the only reason he wouldn't get it is because Brady has seven bleeping Super Bowls. So I guess, like, and he beat him twice in the playoffs. So it's like, okay, I understand that argument. But he's at worst the second best quarterback of all time if he retired today. Shout out to SMU and Richland's own Rasheed Rice. Twenty six catches in the postseason. That is the most by a rookie. Did a hell of a job in NFL history. He really wow. Did. He became a veteran right there in the postseason. Didn't he stepped he? up, man. And there's your NFL news of the day. Sports hodgepodge coming up at three forty. How much would this idea impact your draft day decision going into round one for the Cowboys? The C note is next right here. G Bag Nation and the fam. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game! Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, buddy, welcome back. It is the G-Bag Nation here on 105.3 The Fan. It's time now for the C-Note, the Cowboys news of the evening. We have some Mike Zimmer audio. What has he been up to? This should be uh, you know, really interesting for you if you're still trying to figure out our are you happy about this? Are you bummed about Mike Zimmer? The truckwreck.com fan text is open at 877-881-1053. Segments brought to you by the Frankels. Life's unpredictable. Accidents happen. Franklin Frankel, the go-to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in DFW. If you or a loved one's been in an accident, contact the Frankels, 214 or 817-333-3333. Go online to truckwreck.com. This is Mike Zimmer with Tom Pelissero a couple of months back. First cut, Mike Zimmer, what have you been up to? Here we go. Well, you know, I've uh, I've got about 270 acres in Kentucky, so that keeps me a little bit busy. But I built a little uh, office building that I go over there. I watch tape and study analytics and all the different things that you, you kind of do. So just stay on top of the game. Gosh, I hope he was uh, understanding what the overtime rules were going into the Super Bowl. I hope his analytics team was better than Kyle Shanahan's in San Francisco. Does it sound like he took the same page out of the McCarthy playbook? Like, go get on a farm somewhere, build you a little... Some some little uh, sort of shed thing and yeah. a barnyard no, house and he, I think he actually did the the, the work. Well, and, and he didn't say there. I watched every single offensive snap. Yeah. We'll give him time. We have another. Yeah. We have we have another clip here, man. Maybe I hope to God he doesn't say that. 
Yeah, what football studying have you done, Mike? Well, you know, I get a lot of the game tapes. I, I go through a lot of the uh, uh, third and fourth down situations, a lot of the red zone, you know, all the little game game management things that you, you try to do. And then, you know, the other things you do, Tom, is you kind of look at, um, you know, what you've done good over the last eight years, what you could have done better, what, um, you know, things that, that you would have changed or, or, or done differently over the, over the course of the time. Yeah, you know, so this seems like a, a pretty standard evaluation self-scout that yeah. you would hope that, you know, anybody in his situation is going through. I, I think it's pretty in vogue. Um, and, you know, Mike McCarthy was part of popularizing it to, you know, do this kind of a national interview with somebody as you're trying to get a, a job and, and get your name out there. I don't think this interview is like super mind-blowing or compelling, you know, and maybe that's why we haven't heard about it until now. Right. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know what kind of conclusions he was coming to. I wouldn't expect to have him share all of that with us, but <laughs> I am encouraged to know that, you know, he's looking at analytics and he's trying to figure out what the trends are. And I think with his attention to detail, I would bet on him to have some answers for what the trends are when he when he shows up and starts coaching. That would that'd be my expectation right now. Yeah, I'd be the same way. I'd be the same way. And this was uh this was around Christmas time. Uh, during the season when he was he was still trying to perhaps get his name and some of the head coaching opportunities that were out there but I do think it is encouraging I mean him saying he looking back at his entire tenure in Minnesota what could he have done differently looking at red zone looking at third down you know looking at the important stuff there but he didn't go as far as to say like Walchuk said that he's watched every single thing (laughs) about every single team and he knows it all uh, but I, I do expect him, like his deep dive now, if you talk to him, he could probably tell you a ton about the Cowboys over the last year or two defensively for sure. Yeah, you know, this is a guy who has made a career out of the attention to the details. And I think no matter what era you are from, if you're attention to detail guy, it is still football. And you're very used to adapting and taking in new trends and figuring out an answer to it. Uh, I think most importantly, though, from Zimmer, to me, the thing I'm excited about is uh, him convincing the Joneses that you can't just decide to skip trying to find great players at positions. These teams have great players everywhere, and you saw what happened to the 49ers defense when he took just one of them away. So be tireless in your pursuit of talent. There's a story that that came out about, you know, you mentioned about not knowing the rules. And did you see the thing about Andy giving his credit to his analytics guys about about knowing the rules? And I and, for overtime, yeah. But see if he really did know the rules, because okay, he gives credit to a guy named Mike Frazier. He's their analytics chief, and he does all the work on it. Is what Reed said. He said the mindset knowing both teams will have a possession of the ball was critical to the decision regarding the coin flip. Reed also learned on the leaned on the officials for certain potential scenario decisions in the extra session he says quote we would have kicked the ball off the officials actually are on top of it right away there were still a couple of seconds on the clock and we had the extra official on the sideline asking me what we would do I said we'll kick it off Patrick Mahomes was on the field and he was the one who had to do it and then Dave Tube, who is the coordinator the uh, special teams coordinator was that a mistake was that is that did he do it the right way? He he kicked. He did kick. Yeah. So he all the, the whole time he was going to kick. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, because I mean they because Chris Jones and Pat Mahomes have come out since the game and said that they worked on this in the two weeks leading up to it and their strategy no, I, was yeah 
that they would okay. go for two, knowing that they would get the second possession if they won the toss and would kick. You know, see, that's okay. That's because uh, I was sitting there thinking like that he maybe. Okay, I had it. I had maybe it he back. maybe he messed up. I, he had messed up, and the officials like corrected him. You know, said you sure you want to kick, kind of a thing. But, okay, all right. Uh, next piece of coaching content here for you, Mike Zimmer. Uh, was the subject of a study from Dan Rogers uh, blogging the boys here, uh, Woolchuck. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Cowboy Stats and Graphic does a great job. They put out a, a little graphic about Mike Zimmer, specifically against the Shanahan coach tree, which and we talked about Dan Quinn. The, the one thing that he really had an issue with during his time with the Cowboys was against LaFleur. Uh, you know, McVay, they got the best of this year, certainly, but against the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. But based on, you know, c- c- completion over expected, yards after catch, EPA per dropback, just a multitude of different ways that they evaluate defense, Zimmer has had more success since 2017 against the Shanahan tree than basically every defensive coordinator not named Bill Belichick. Badass. So he's done a fantastic job, but... He does note that when you look at the history of Mike Zimmer when he takes over a place, the first year, there can be a learning curve. Hmm. And by the middle of the season, they're off in a playoff caliber defense. But by year two, that's when you start to see an elite level of defense under Mike Zimmer because there is a different way in teaching. Uh, His peak defenses in Minnesota, they had four straight seasons where they never fell out of the top quartile and underlying strength against the pass. So their pass defenses are always very good. And his background, I believe, is a defensive backs coach, right? So, I mean, that's an area that he's always succeeded in. His numbers in Cincinnati were even better. So reasonable expectations for Zim. The first, you know, say half of the season, there might be a little bit of, ooh, this isn't, you know, maybe it's a little shaky, but second half of the season, this thing should be kicking into gear and we should see really some of the drastic changes that he's made compared to what we were seeing defensively under Dan Quinn. Timelining expectations in another tweet, you know, playoff caliber by the end of the first regular season by mid-season two arriving as the NFL's elite and this over the last two decades, significantly farther ahead of schedule than a Ron Rivera coach team. And I, I think it makes sense. I, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised it, it doesn't take longer for uh, defenses to get installed, finding the kind of players that, you know, really that you need. And then specifically for Zimmer, teaching all of the, uh, you know, the details that Greg Ellis talked about. Yeah. I mean, this is what all the players talk about. I, I think it is different. It's like, okay, there's there's being coached by a football guy who's asking me to play defense and I do these things, but there's some coaches who are so precise in what they're looking for and how it all combines to benefit one another that, you know, half a season, a, a, a full season, that's, that's great information. Maybe we uh, just need to be patient with this a little bit. Yeah, I, I liked what uh, Cowboy Stats also noted about the, the Quinn's, you know, Quinn's pass defense being very dependent on turnover production, uh, which obviously is an unreliable source of value because we talk about, especially like in a one-game sample, we know the turnovers, it's it's not a guarantee year to year. Oftentimes, if you led the league in turnovers uh, forced, it's not necessarily that it's just going to duplicate itself. That can be kind of all over the place, high volatility there. So Quinn's defense has got to a point where, yes, it is it is an ode to him over the course of his time here. They were one of the best, obviously, or the best at forcing turnovers. But in games where you don't do that, can your defense just be fundamentally sound and win football games? Or do you have to get the turnovers? Um, and he says that Zimmer's success is grounded in top-notch fundamentals, especially limiting the kind of damaging yards after catch that Quinn's group routinely gave up. Nice. 
That is huge, man. Yeah. I mean, that goes with the, the debate of, like, you know, what's more important, the turnovers or, you know, the explosive plays that we talked about during the season. I think both, obviously. But, you know, you're, if you're getting the turnovers, maybe it doesn't matter as much if you're also giving up a couple of massive explosive plays for touchdowns in the back end you, as well. You know, I, I think their secondary balances it well. I think it's more their linemen and their linebackers who find themselves out of position. Yeah. And, you know, that's where the problem happens. So, you know, I, I think you can get the best of both worlds in that department. Then I wanted to ask you guys, this is sort of picking up on a conversation we were having a a little bit earlier, like under what circumstances would you draft a a tackle in in round one? Um, Very interesting article here, and we go back to blogging the boys actually pointing out how the Cowboys have been so successful over the years drafting offensive players, and they really get into trouble when they're drafting defensive players. This is the first round. Mm. You know, I... I feel like if you draft an offensive lineman, it's going to be a really good player, maybe a perennial pro bowler, an all pro dude like that is their history in the in the first round. If if they're locked into one and on on defense, it's a crapshoot. I would feel weird if I'm evaluating my scouting department, my front office, like, do we have a blind spot here? But I would start considering it at this point. Like, guys, don't be sure if you think we got the right corner that we need to be taking or the right linebacker that we need to be taking especially if there's an offensive lineman on the board, we can trust our evaluation of them much more. You know, and maybe you extend that to wide receiver. I don't know how many positions are in this group, but it certainly seems like whoever has been advising them on which offensive lineman to take is really good at his job, much better than the guys who were advocating for their positions there in the first round. Yeah, and that's why I think you have to lean into your strengths in the draft and understand that let's let's approach free agency with the understanding of what we we miss on when it comes to the draft. Let's go buy a couple of pieces that we don't feel good about uh, in terms of drafting high because our hit rate's a little bit low here. So we'll supplement that with free agency. We might not be able to just go bargain shopping the way we've done for the last decade. Maybe we got to up the ante a little bit, uh, but it's worth it so that we go to the draft and we know, hey, the, the positions that we now need to secure are things that we nail. An offensive line is certainly right there. That's, yeah. And that's good team building, right? We are going to fill our holes to where we go into the draft and we can take best available player which is why at 24, no matter if Tyron Smith is on this roster or not, and an offensive tackle is there that you like, I am team take that offensive tackle. If he's the best player. Yeah, because eventually he's going to end up having to play for you this year as well because Tyron's not staying healthy. But then also now you have your starter. And, and you he don't might, have to worry about Tyler. He could easily be better than Steele. If could you're be taking well. a, If you're taking a tackle in the first round. 100%. Uh, if, he, if he can play both spots as well. I thought you were telling us about a guy who has played all three positions, center, tackle. Is he going to be gone? Uh, That's a guy from Duke. Yeah, Graham Barton. And and so he could be there, he, but the Brian got me a little scared because I think he might have some uh, some medical issues. Yeah. Oh, so he's a guy that you're going to have to make sure is cleared and you're comfortable with the medical grade there. Okay, very interesting. Oh, uh, sports hodgepodge coming up next, Chief. Where are you taking us? Yeah, it'll feature some weekend leftovers, the wasted management, and a scorching movie review. I cannot wait to share next year in the nation. Thank you, Lucius. How awesome are the Mavs? We'll ask Bobby Carella, Mavs.com. That here coming up in about 15 minutes. Here's Eric with a sports hodgepodge. All right, fellas, we've got some weekend leftovers we need to hit here. I'm excited about some of this stuff, but I first need to let you know that it looks like college football is on the verge of a, a nice little rule change. And I think we can maybe officially here in the coming days or weeks uh, welcome college football into the 21st century. And we can thank Michigan and the science stealing for it. 
We oh, might finally be getting yeah. helmet communication yeah. between coach and quarterback, coach yeah. and linebacker, whatever. Instead of doing all the signs and then you got the dummy, you know, there's 12 guys. I mean, a couple of these guys on staff might be losing gigs here because they're just there to throw up dummy signs and hand signals to distract from whoever the real guy is giving the actual information to the quarterback for play calls. So it looks as though they're going to uh, try and welcome in. They got to vote on it or whatever, but it looks like they're trending in the right direction to get college football up to the speed of the NFL when it comes to communication with the players on sideline. And it'll be a little bit more, you know, less constraints because right now in the NFL they have the iPads and stuff, but those are just the freeze frames. Those are just still shots. They're not watching actual, like, video. You're not watching a a full play on those iPads. That's NFL ruling. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But they're just watching still shots on those tablets. Uh, And then – and the other thing, too, in the NFL is communication goes away between coach and quarterback with 15 seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. Those two – Two things would probably not be a part of this. So, in theory, you could have your coach talking to your quarterback a second before the ball snapped. Um, And they would potentially be able to actually on the tablets on the sidelines, which college football hasn't welcomed in yet. Uh, I guess they'd be able to like maybe rewatch full plays that happen instead of just getting the still shot. So, nonetheless, I think we're all for this, and it's really about time college football. Yeah, and I think it's going to result in more big plays. That's what Sean McVay liked to do with golf is get as much of an opportunity that the coach can walk you through what you're seeing at the line of scrimmage. And I, I do think quarterback play in college leaves a lot to be desired. If you can have more aware quarterbacks that can make more plays, hopefully it'll increase the entertainment value. Yeah, and you had a couple of teams in the bowl games uh, do some trial runs on this. So there were cool. some bowl games where teams got to experience it, Texas Tech being one of them, Joey McGuire saying we practiced with it four times going into the game. It was probably one of our cleanest operations when it comes to the sideline and general communication. So that's Texas Tech's viewpoint on it. Um, every coach that's quoted here that I see is pretty much just saying, yeah, it was great. It helped us out. We were able to do a little bit more offensively because we can get we can get more motions, more shifts in there because we know everybody's going to be more so on the same page. So uh, that's good news for college football moving forward. Uh, no question about it. Uh, bad news moving forward, the waste management. I don't know if we're going <laughs> how much longer we're going to be getting this one. Uh, because over the weekend, I mean, we saw tons of videos and stuff of just general debauchery. I mean, it is it is basically if you didn't know any better, you would think it was just all the all the big fraternities across college America coming together at a golf course and uh, and just doing the the drunken debauchery that you would expect from from those type of folks. Uh, and I think the big complaint is. You know, the one rule, of course, in golf is like when someone like in the middle of a backswing. Let's not be hollering, you know, Uh, and I think that is for the most part fair. But otherwise, it's like, dude, it's the waste management. You got to know what you're getting into here. This is kind of the point of the waste. That's why it's so popular. Zach Johnson says this tournament has been inappropriate and crossed the line since I've been on tour. You have people falling out of the rafters. (laughs) You have fights in the stands. How do you reel it in? I think the Thunderbirds probably need to do something about it. I'm assuming they're ashamed. Wow. The at, Thunderbirds. At some point, somebody's either going to really, really get hurt or worse. If I were to say if I'm going to come back, I'd probably say no. I'm done. I'm done with it. Yeah, you know, I, I think we, we perfected it pretty good at the Byron where yeah. you're there to have a party, but you stay in the tents. Yeah, you know, and the, we were respectful. And I think for the long time at the, at the Phoenix Open, it's been some real golf fanatics who also love drinking and it was their one of the year where they were out there getting hammered but those golf purists knew that even when they were hammered it was time to be quiet now now you got people with no couth about them like we had at the byron and you don't have the golf 
you know, purists that know when it's time to be quiet. So well, it's falling from the, the rafters. Rails. I thought it was a funny yeah. line. The, the, problem, the problem with him, to be honest with you, is that he lost the Ryder Cup, and he couldn't take the ribbing of when, hey, Urban Meyer lasted longer or was a better coach than you. Yeah, he had a huge freak out there. Yeah. I saw that video yeah. as well. He got a little upset that <laughs> they were needling him the whole time about losing the Ryder Cup. And so he went over to the ropes to confront people about it. And everybody's like, oh, it wasn't me, that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he, he just could not. He's played in that thing, I think, 12 consecutive times. And now he's got the issue with it. And now all of a sudden he's he like. He knows what to expect. Yeah, he knows that, exactly man. what that thing's all about. He just couldn't take the fact that people were getting on his ass about losing the Ryder Cup as bad as he did. That's that was the real reason why he was so upset. The okay, the context, a little bit of underlying stuff there, a little build up, a real and inside story once again from Brian Broaddus. That's right, Gang well, of Seven always no, bringing it strong. You know, he's he like I say, he's played it in a lot of years. I mean, consecutive years. He knows exactly what's going on here. Amen. He just could not take the fans getting on him about that, and you know, he doesn't go anywhere else where they do that. Yeah, yeah. he's not. You know, you're not you're not conditioning yourself to. Like you show up, usually like they're really everybody's super nice to you on the other side of the ropes, except when they've had about seventeen drinks. Very true. In golf in an individual sport, you can just not go to to tournaments. Yeah, you know, doesn't really matter. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he bails on it. Well, uh, elsewhere in the weekend leftovers, here's some sound. UFC fighter Sean Strickland, who's really making a name for himself uh, for being outspoken, very very caveman like. Uh, but I, I admired his self-control here as you had an Instagram or whatever influencer roaming around. I think this was some sort of Super Bowl, UFC, Converging, oh, Vegas. Sneeko guy that's been <laughs> all over t- TikTok. I think they sparred and, and Sean Strickland kicked his ass. No, this is a different dude. Is it a different this dude? This is a different dude, yeah. But listen listen to Sean Strickland here. He gets run up on by an Instagram influencer with a microphone. It's like UFC's oh, version gosh. of Radio Row. I don't even know, but I this back and forth I thought was pretty good. Can I get a chew, Papi Muñeño? I don't know who the f*** you are, but in a different setting, I might hit you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Guys, lucky he didn't hit him. I don't know who the F you are, but in a different setting, I might hit you. And I, I would take him at his word on that one. What the hell did he say? Uh, I have did no idea. ooh, Papi? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what exactly that oh, was. Lord. Was that one of those Boston things? That I don't people know. Like, like, give me a ooh. Give me a chalupa? That's no. what I heard. <laughs> I don't know. Can I get a chalupa? Is. That's a quality dish. <laughs> Uh, Major League Baseball is getting crushed right now by its own players. We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna have to really figure this thing out uh, when we get to surprise and we get into that clubhouse and we start making you know more relationships because it seems like you have players that are not excited about these new uniforms. You have Nike and you have Fanatics and they're sort of coming together to create these new baseball, you know, these Major League Baseball uniforms. And apparently it's like more so Fanatics. It goes from like Nike really controlling it to this year. It's more so Fanatics that's running this thing. And apparently they've cut some serious corners and uh, they're being told that they look super, super cheap uh, by the players. And you can see some side-by-sides of like last year's jerseys compared to this year's. Less stitching involved and more just like pressing. You know, like a heated press. Um like for last names and stuff, you don't have. I feel the, like Fanatics has made some improvements to the quality of their cl- uh, apparel recently. Okay, have they? Because I think so. Anything that I had gotten from Fanatics, that stuff fades pretty quick. Okay, it looks good new these yeah. days. I, okay, 
But, you know, you, you put it in the wash a couple of times. Next thing you know, it's like the lettering's gone. So they're controlling overhead costs with the cheapest manufacturing techniques and supplies. And now it's made its way to the uniforms. Yeah. It That's seems sucks. as though. It seems as though. So we'll have to we'll have to get the, the Rangers players' thoughts on, on these new baseball uniforms because you have a couple of guys throughout the league and, like, uh, Jersey sort of snob expert guys that are like pointing out all the different corner cutting involved from the Nike only sort of uniforms that MLB has been using to now fanatics being more in control. Uh, but I think the the best thing going right now is what I just saw about the Mad Aim Web movie. Madam Web. Madam Web. What did you say? Mad Aim. Yeah, it's Madam Web. Uh, more of a Charlotte's <laughs> Web guy myself. Yeah, but it I, looks terrible. I think the rest of the world is as well. It's scoring twenty three percent on the Rotten Tomatoes. Some are calling it one of the worst movies ever made. And uh, this particular review, I thought, was phenomenal. Well, having now seen this tangled up IP gossamer firsthand, we can say that Madam Web isn't as bad as its somewhat botched promotional campaign might suggest. It is, in fact, way worse. <laughs> A genuine Chernobyl-level disaster that seems to get exponentially more radioactive as it goes along. This detour to one of the dustier corners of Marvel's content farm is a dead end from start to finish. It is The Cats, the movie of superhero movies. Oh, not Cats. Yeah, it was a good dig. Not a single decision seems of sound mind. Not a single performance feels in sync with the material. Not a single line reading feels as if it hasn't somehow been magically auto-tuned to subtract emotion and or inflection. The sole amazing factor of this spider spinoff is that someone, somewhere, signed off on actually releasing it. Wow. Yeah, everything that I've read about it, it sounds terrible. And which spider one is this? <laughs> it's Madam Web. Uh, okay. Spider-Man, I don't think, is actually even in this movie. I believe the, to me this has to be the same the same reviewer same uh, the but it was a food reviewer in Ratatouille. I imagine the guy <laughs> who's doing the food reviewing in that movie is the same guy or uh, who reviewed this one here. Yeah, because I was so out on the old Spider Man, you know, I, I, the Tobey Maguire pathetic loser era of Spider Man. Not know? for you. Wasn't for me. They fixed it recently with the Spider Verse. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like sci fi style and it's cool and. You know, they're not making the lead character nearly as pathetic as Spider-Man from the past. I'd be heartbroken if the genre takes a turn for the worst. Again. Yeah, I, I, this yeah. is... Uh, I'm I, just, I just got in for the first time in my life. I don't think this is going to ruin it for you. I okay, don't think good. that it's uh, tied in together. Bobby Carella, Mavs.com is going to join us to tell us how amazing these Mavs are rolling on a five-game winning streak as they get set to play one more before the All-Star break. We'll talk to Bobby next in the nation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.